What are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. <laughs> I never try and let copyright get in the way of a good podcast. Also, the fact I'm playing this through my mobile phone into the speaker suggests probably need to up my game a little bit. Spanish acoustic guitar, classics. This will get flagged. Copyright strike. Hey, but they're the links I go to when I'm trying to bring you some tunes from around the world here on the Pop Culture Podcast. As a reason, it's your ninth favorite podcast. because of this kind of thing I mean they go for they go for days they it's just good thinking music I reckon you can't really argue with that can you like how do you how do you not think clearly like this people are always talking about supplements hydration diet what about the thinking music wow had a great thought. See? Wow. Another one. Wow. Another one. Okay, I'm being I'm being silly now. But that is what I like to have playing in the background when I'm trying to do something a little productive because uh I don't know, it's just it's nice to it's nice to have something there to to entertain you. Just as though you're going about your daily business. The boring stuff, the more mundane stuff. If I'm ever sitting there washing the dishes, which is rare, I'm going to be honest, I'm married to a great woman, very traditional woman who, uh, you know, I try and handball the dishes too when I can, which is regularly. I'm, I'm good with my words. The truth is I'm usually upstairs tucking in a kid, so don't get too uptight. Can't be making jokes like that in 2022 without a, a couple of bitches getting upset, can you? And by bitches, I'm not just referring to women. I'm also referring to those, uh, to the men who don't have a girlfriend. Haven't quite figured out the game yet. I'm like old Popplestone here. Got it all figured out. Jessie's not here. She doesn't. She can't tell you that it's not true. But I'm doing. I'm doing my best. How are you guys going? Hope you had a great week. So I'm coming at you a couple of days late here because uh, what did we do last week? I've actually got no excuses, I don't think. It's just been a busy couple of a busy last couple of days, and uh, I thought, oh, well, the timing's just right today. The timing's perfect. Things have settled down a little bit. Got an hour before I go to the gym, so I thought, you know what? I'm going to put my blue knit sweater on because I want to look good for you guys. I don't just want to. I don't just want to come out with with wonderful stories. I want to make sure it's very appealing to to the eye part of your body. Ah. Oh. What's been happening in your world? I, um, if you listened last week, I was up in Cairns, up in far north Queensland, with my mother-in-law and my wife, my little boy. We flew back last week on on Tuesday. I tell you, 
It was such a funny trip. So we, uh, my wife's the admin queen. I, I think I told you about the, the trip up there. We went to the wrong airport. On the way home, it was a Tuesday morning. I just got home from a, a 30 minute easy run. And, uh, and as I got home, my wife was out the front laughing. She goes, hey, you'll never guess what's happened. I go, babe, talk to me. She goes, you know how we thought we were going home Thursday? I go, yeah, yeah. She goes, no, we're, we're booked. Well, me and Charlie are booked for tonight. How do you feel about staying two extra days with, uh, with my mum, your mother-in-law? I said, look, I've got a pretty good relationship with my mother-in-law, so I'd be, I'd be more than happy to stay. But truthfully, I'd, I'd rather come home with, uh, with my family. And she goes, well, let me see what we could do. So we, we called Jetstar and, and we, we paid them 125 just a sneaky little deal to say, hey, can you get me on the flight with my family? And, and that we did. So we went to the airport that night, cut short by a couple of days our, our trip to Queensland, which was good. I mean, it's nice to, to tap into some of that warmer weather at this time of the year. Scary work flying with a kid, though. It's very, it's very, very nerve-wracking because my kid, he... Uh, yeah, I don't want to throw around the word psycho loosely, but when you've got as much energy as he does and you can find a, such a small space as a domestic airplane, air, air, airline, airplane, aeroplane. I don't know why I went American on you there for a minute. It's, it's quite daunting because uh, people pretend that they're patient in most instances with a crying kid, but you can only do it for so long before you crack. And even if you're faking that it's not a, a real issue to you, we know, we know it is. I've had kids crying on the plane next to me before and have faked that it's not an issue before. It's always an issue, though. And so we... Uh, but then you're also being judged by the people who are on your flight. So we were we were sprinting around the, the little terminal. I, I wasn't. I was just following Charlie. He sprints like a moderate walk to me just based on uh, leg size. He's only 18 months old or, or 22 months old. So we were running around. I was trying to just burn off his energy. I was doing everything I could to make sure that this little guy had no energy by the time he got on the plane. So we were jumping overseas. We were sprinting around the airport. It was really inappropriate behavior, probably for an airport where people are just trying to relax. My kids climbing up there, yelling out dad from the other side. It was, you know, in hindsight, it's probably something that as I reflect on it, it wasn't the right thing to do. But but hey, you got to do what you know how to do. And I thought, well, uh, the, the, the long-term effect is that he, he crashes on the plane and that he did. We, we got on the plane. We started to settle him down. He, he went psycho for a minute. We thought, oh, this is going to be rough. And then before you know it, in true kid style, they're always, you know how they say it's, it's darkest just before the dawn? I feel, I think kids are, are most, most intense just before asleep. Or do, when they're hangry. Yesterday, my, my boy was running around the kitchen and he was just he was just throwing stuff. And usually I say to Jesse, I go, it's, if you ever have trouble with Charlie, just let me know. I'm, I'm the baby whisperer. I'll, I'll show you how it is that, that you and I can get him back on track, behaviorally speaking. And uh, yesterday was one of those days where it was just me and him and... And I couldn't get him back on track. I'd lost him. So he was—he's got like a little a little toy kitchen set. He was throwing the chairs on the floor yesterday. I, I did my firmest sort of no voice because you've got to have a good no voice to be a dad. But at his age, I'm not sure if the discipline hasn't quite kicked in yet, or he—I just don't have any authority over over my young son. But nonetheless, the response by by him was the same. He kept throwing on the floor, so I kept hiding his chairs. Then he'd pick up a toy truck. And I thought, okay, he's been a psycho. But the breaking point was I'd given him a Vegemite cracker. He threw that on the floor. I took a bite and he just he just lost it. I mean, if he was, if uh, I've heard people say that if a praying mantis was the size of a cow, humans would be in a, a lot of danger because of the power, the, the sort of, what do you say, the power ratio that these guys 
these guys hold. Like if they were the size of a human or a cow, you know, they'd be able to chop a car in half with their with their little nippers. Uh, Charlie was swinging some pretty heavy punches yesterday, so I was thinking, I'm glad you only come up to just above my kneecaps because, you know, one quick knee to the side of the head and, and you'd be you'd be unconscious. I, I wouldn't do it with his mum at home, but um, but I mean, it's just nice to know that you have that option there. But he settled down today. He got a slight concussion based on the, uh, it was just an elbow. I just went with an elbow. I didn't, he's a, he's a lovely kid. He settled down, he was just hungry. He's got to figure out why it is that they're they're frustrated, which you would think after nearly two years of being a parent, you would you would know. But they're they're mysterious. They're mysterious little things. So, um, yeah, it's there's a lot of note taking. Everyone's got an opinion on how it is that you should improve their lives as well. What it is that needs to be focused on. Last week, we I don't even know how we got into the conversation. We were at a cafe up in Cairns. We were at Palm Cove. We're sitting at a, there was no coffee shops open, so we stopped off at a fish and chip shop and said, do you make coffees? The guy said, we can for you guys. So we said, hey, I'll get a, an espresso. My, my mother-in-law asked for an espresso martini, so we can't quite go that far. All we've got is coffee beans in a machine. Um, uh, my wife, she got a, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that you even care about our, our coffee orders, but we were sitting there and Charlie was misbehaving and, and my mother-in-law said, you need to smack him. And I said, "Oh no! Look, we've we've chosen a we've chosen another path. We've chosen a very 2022 approach to to looking after and raising a child, which is which is just using words, uh, not with physical violence. Which I mean, sometimes I regret and and I sometimes stumble. Do you know what I mean? Every now and then, when no one's looking, I might I might slip a little elbow to the ribs or a, a little uppercut to the back of the head. Uh, it just it depends how naughty he's being." Is the truth. If he's being really naughty and no one's around, I'll give him a nipple cripple. I'm I'm not beyond giving my kid a nipple cripple. Do you know what I mean? People say he's 18 months old. You need to you need to tread lightly. You need to understand that he doesn't understand. I said, well, will he understand this? And now just twist his little tits so hard that um, if he doesn't understand, he's going to pick up because five or six of, of those, and he's not going to have any nipples, or, or they're going to be heavily inflamed. Which I'm not 100% sure. My nipples are quite large. I think I'm. I'm not 100% sure what's going on there. I'm not sure if it's genetic. I have seen my poppy Bill's nipples years ago. He got up one morning in Adelaide, and it was a summer morning as well. It wasn't like it was cold. And he got up with full confidence, no shirt on, and uh, and I got a quick glance at his nipples, and and I was flabbergasted. I was I was mind blown. It was a it was preposterous the size that they were. So I'm thinking maybe they've stemmed down from them, or. Or my very own father has taken the same strategy of, of discipline as of what I did, and, and you know he's just gone for the twist. But I feel like I feel like I know my dad well enough to know that that's probably that'd probably be too soft for him. He would have just gone for the full uppercut. I don't think I don't think the idea of nipple cripple it was probably too subtle for for him to be able to think could be of any effect. Um, yeah, but mine are mine are abnormal. I think I was comforted a few weeks ago because I saw Joe Rogan did a podcast uh, not a podcast he uh he did a live stream of him sitting in a cold plunge pool at the back of his house i assume it was and the purpose of the video was to show hey look how hardcore i am i'm sitting in this very cold water but i would say 80 percent of the comments were about the size of his nipples and i thought hey if joe rogan's got nipples that are abnormally large he's such a confident guy well you know i'm going to rock the size of, of of mine as well and um and that's what i've been doing the last couple of weeks but yet i've been doing a lot of Sorry, I've been sidetracked and I forgot to tell you what. I don't know how we got to nipples. But we were sitting there and my, my, my mother-in-law was talking about how we need a, we need to abuse our child to, to make a point. And uh, the most bogan waitress I've ever seen walked past and she goes, yeah, I bloody smacked all my kids. They've turned out just fine. This, like, just for clarification, I'm always happy if a, a family member 
or a very close friend puts up a good argument about why it is we should consider hitting our kid uh, to make our point. Uh, I was hit as a kid. You know, I was about to say which which worked out okay, but uh, depending on how well you know me, I guess I guess you might challenge the the very notion that I worked out okay. But it's subjective, isn't it? With with the behaviour of twenty twenty two that takes place all around the world. I mean, maybe I am normal. Maybe the way I've worked out is normal. Maybe it's the best way. But but this lady, she like we'd never met her. She hadn't greeted us. She hadn't had said hello. She just she felt the need to. She felt the need to contribute her parenting advice. And and honestly, if I was to judge a book by its cover, I looked at this lady and I thought, you know what? Like, if I just walked past this lady down the street without ever having been introduced to her, I would look at her and I would think, you don't look like you know how to be a mum. That's just, that, that's just the, the, it would be the first thing that went through my head. I would go, oh, this lady would never have kids because um, I, I'm not sure. I just don't think it's the best the best decision for it. But, I mean, it hasn't stopped a lot of people. I mean, there's a lot of people that I went to high school with. In fact, I think I'm one of them who, who if you if you saw them in high school, you go, hey, hey maybe do the world a favour and just, just hold off on the kids. And yet here I am, I've got one and a half and uh, I'm going back for more. But this lady, she walked past and she goes, oh yeah, I've smacked all my kids, they've worked out fine. And I thought, I don't, I don't trust you. I don't trust you when you say they've worked out fine because fine is also very subjective and, and what's fine in your life might be an absolute disaster for mine. Do you know what I mean? Like some people are fine but they're alcoholic. Some people are fine but they've lost both feet. And, and, and I'm not saying you can't be fine but I'm just saying you can learn to develop a tolerance for, for what's probably not ideal. And I looked at this lady and I thought, well, you're 51 years old. You, you look as though you've abused... She did. I, I don't mean to say this in a harsh way. She looked relatively healthy. She had a nice smile. Do you know what I mean? It was nice to say... She had a, she had, a, had quite a lot of teeth missing. I was surprised that you know her, her workplace hadn't maybe pulled her up on that and said, hey, if you want to keep working here, especially because you're a waitress, we're going to need you to whack a little bit of a... Just whack a plate in your mouth. Just fill some of those gaps. And some of the blackness on your teeth. It looks like she had a Coke issue. Not cocaine. I'm speaking Coca-Cola. Just the sugar content within those drinks. I can say that as well because as a young kid, I used to think that fruit juice was very healthy. My my main goal. Do you remember in the like late nineties, early two thousands, if something said it was ninety nine percent fat free, in your mind it was healthy. Was that just my family? I'm not sure what happened there. I was, I was so caught. Like I was obsessed with health growing up. I actually had. I think I had issues. I think I had genuine issues of, of wanting to be healthy. But the truth was, I, I didn't know what was healthy and what wasn't. So I went to the fruit juice. I thought, oh, that, uh, uh, that's just from apples. Like you can drink that. I've just drank 120 apples. But the problem was, I'm just getting the pure sugar hit from that. So I'm missing a couple of my back teeth because I went to the doctor or the dentist, and he goes, "Mate, what's happened here?" And I just thought, oh, my, my teeth are brittle. But really, I think the the sugar limit that I was hitting was well and truly over where it should have been. And she had a little bit of that going on. So I feel like I could sympathize with where she was at. But it's interesting how people have the confidence just to be able to throw their opinion at you. Like there's there's some people that I know who you don't ask for an opinion. You don't ask for their ideas. In fact, you probably, like you don't even really value what this particular, which sounds horrible, but it's true. You don't even really value what a particular person thinks about whatever situation you're discussing and and they have the confidence just to be able to share it with you and go okay well this is my thoughts on that I said when I said like no one asked I didn't I didn't ask what you thought and I had to bite my tongue so hard with this lady because stuff like that just rubs me up the wrong way she uh I, I just wanted to say you know what before you start giving advice on 
on how I should raise my kid, can I just give you like a couple of waitress advice? Like just before you come in with the parent advice, just come and say hello. Ask us how our day's been. Ask us are we traveling or are we local? What would you like for dinner? She was just cleaning a table and she was just eavesdropping, which I can't I can't blame her for because I used to be a waiter as well at La Notte, an Italian restaurant here in Melbourne. Just yesterday I was talking to a guy and I don't know why I did this. My wife was teasing me last night. La Notte, it means the night in Italian. And um, do you ever do that thing where like you're speaking English like, like we are or you're speaking Australian English and then you come across a, a foreign word like La Notte and yet you find yourself just delving deep into the deep into the pronunciation that they would use in whatever the origin of the country was. I always do that. It's so especially with Italian, I'm not sure what it is. I think whenever I'm trying to make a point, or whenever I'm trying to get something across, or whenever I'm trying to be cool, I, I go into this weird I'm an Italian kind of voice. And and people call me on it all the time. They go, Well, like, what are you doing? You're Australian. You're more Australian than anyone I know. Why is it appropriate in your mind for, for you to start delving into speaking like you're from another country? And and it's a very fair question. But yesterday I was uh, I was doing a coaching call with, with one of the athletes that I coach. And uh, I was telling him about this restaurant that I worked at. And I was full-blown Aussie. And then all of a sudden we got to La Notte. And I got La Notte. And I looked at my wife and she gave me a look like, what are you doing? What's going on there? But there's only certain languages you can do that with. You can't do that with, like if you do that with Italian and French, it's beautiful. If you do it with Chinese, you're racist. It's what my mother-in-law does sometimes. Like you'll, she'll call an Asian restaurant and she'll go, uh, hello there, I was just after two five ice. You go, wait, what? It's the same concept, but for whatever reason, doing it with the, the Chinese languages, it's inappropriate. I'm not sure what that is. Why is it inappropriate? It's very, it is very strange. It is very strange. I remember once I went out for dinner in Melbourne with my mum, who's uh, old class is not a racist. She's just a lovely person. She's just a very lovely person despite your race, which is which is a really good way to be. I think. I think if there's one way to choose to be, it's um, maybe judge person, judge a person based on their character rather than the color of their skin. That's something. Um, that's something I learned growing up. I'm not sure if that's still relevant, but it, to me, it served me really well. It served me really well. I treat most coloured skins the, and when I say coloured, I'm not referring to to just the black. I'm referring to white, black, yellow, in between whatever whatever shade of colour you are. I'm, I'm going to treat you with with respect, unless you're a, unless you're a dickhead. Um, I think the dickhead factor is the only thing that's going to really throw me off. And, and I hope you treat me the same way. Don't treat me like I'm a bad guy because I'm a a good looking white man. You know, it's subjective. Someone thinks it. Uh, treat me if I'm a dickhead. Then treat me badly. Do you know what I'm saying? But my wife and uh, my mum and I, we went out for dinner one night, and uh, we were walking along Glenferry Road in Hawthorne here in Victoria, and we walked past a, a little Asian place. And mum said to me, she goes, well, "If you if you walk past a a cuisine like be it Italian or Chinese or French or whatever, and there's a lot of people within that restaurant who look as though they're from the country." that that restaurant is representing, then there's a very good chance that that's a good restaurant. Because the truth is, if the people from the country that this restaurant's representing accept the food and approve the food, well, they can compare it to the real thing. They know what the real thing is like. So they go in there and you can't fool them. 
and we we walked past this Chinese restaurant. There was a lot of there was a lot of Chi- like I assume they were Chinese. You can't you can't say for for sure because a lot of Asian countries the people seem to look the same. But the same is true through through Europe. Yeah, don't tell me you can look at a you can look at an Italian or you can look at a a Spanish person and, and just from their look say you know I can I can tell exactly their origins. But that was fine between me and Mum. But we got to the end of the meal and Mum tried to express her gratitude to the waitress for, for having us in there. And she said, look, when we were walking past, we we saw a lot of your people in here. So we assumed that it was going to be a good meal. And and, and the lady who, and she was Asian by, you know, like ancestrally. I think her great-grandparents from were, were from were from China. But the truth was she'd been here for not only her whole life, but I think her parents were raised here as well. She had more of an Aussie accent than than what my mum and I had combined. And, and she goes, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean your people? And mum goes, oh, well, I, I knew what she was trying to express, but it just came out, it came out poorly. And it's the wrong part of town to be, uh, to be making racial stereotypes because people are going to call you on it. Do you know what I mean? This is Hawthorne's where I think climate change is the main factor. Uh, the main the main point of concern in in Hawthorne is climate change. It's that kind of crew. You know, you shouldn't just do blanket statements about people. But I think um, they they're all about improving climate change, and they hate Donald Trump. I think it's it's that kind of crew, which is fine. But you just you you, you got to know where to bite your tongue a little bit. I think you got to bite your tongue around some people. I. Uh, during during the COVID lockdowns, I, I put up a Facebook status saying, "Look, hey, I've I've had enough of lockdowns. I'm not going to do it anymore. Like, this seems silly that we're still doing this because I think we're in the fifth one here in Victoria, and we kept getting told, no, we're doing this because uh, we've got to stop the spread or slow the spread.' But the spread was just going, it was going, it was going apeshit. Essentially, it was uh, it was going quite dramatically. It was actually, I think it was the speediest spread of, of, it seemed to go faster as we were in lockdown. So I I just did some simple mathematics and I thought, okay, well, if it's going crazy and we're in so-called lockdown, surely surely we don't do lockdown anymore. And I thought, well, people, people will appreciate that thought. So I'll put that out on Facebook. And I've never been so heavily criticised on a status in all of my life, and there's a couple of people there. It got into one of those real medical debates between myself, who's got like no medical background, which doesn't rule you out of the conversation. I've realised because there's a lot of people in the medical scene who are, are also incredibly wrong, as much as we don't like to admit that. But there's something about us that just like I think we really appreciate a degree. I think a degree in some things are good. Like if if my surgeon didn't have a degree or any time of study, I'd go. Oh, is there any other surgeon that I might be able to have? Can I have a guy that doesn't have a face tattoo <laughs> and a history on of ice use? Um, I just want to make sure that he's sober because uh, it's really important to me that, that throughout this operation he knows where he is and he's not in the middle of a hallucination thinking this is just a big dream and the results don't matter. But then there's, then there's certain things like the epidemiology. Like epidemiology, I don't really even understand what the word means. Doesn't it just mean like looking at the... I'm not even going to try and assume that I, I know what it means. But there was just to put it this way, there's a lot of people without any degrees who are involved in these debates. And for whatever reason, we constantly pointed our finger to those with degrees and said, these guys know. And and the people who were supposed to know, they just they just didn't know. And so, um, uh, I don't know. I, I this There's one particular guy. He's actually a great guy. I saw him on Friday night. Uh, at a comedy gig, 
he he deleted me on Facebook and Instagram. And I said, mate, what, what are you doing? We're friends. He goes, yeah, but I just I just can't afford to have misinformation in my face. Like, well, <laughs> we don't know that's misinformation yet. It's just it's just an opinion that you get in trouble for speaking about openly. So can you just pe- keep being my friend? I just want, I just want to keep being your friend. And he's like, nah, man, the, the friendship's done. But I think truthfully it was a fairly highly strung time not just for me but for everyone else we're all going through something emotionally i mean good luck being locked in your house for a couple of years and managing that well so uh, i think we all deserve to to have a little bit of slack cut on us because it was it was pretty emotional but but still i uh, i went into this gig the other day and I, I saw him and a couple of his friends there and i thought oh no they're not going to like the jokes that I had planned for tonight. So I, I changed my set a little bit because I thought, I don't want to make it uncomfortable for everyone. This is going to be too controversial. It's, uh, it's uh, you mean, I, I can't give you the whole joke now because it, it takes a while to, to lead into it. It's a, it's a bit of a story joke. So I don't want to just take the next five minutes to, to take you through it. But it's, I mean, it's gone very well a couple of times and it's absolutely, it, it's a, it's a really weird one. It's a, I think it's, it's bombed more than, it's bombed harder than any other joke, but it's also killed harder than a lot of jokes that I've done as well. So it's a it's a real flip of the coin. I think you just can't do the joke in some areas like where this Chinese restaurant that I went to with my mum was because that's the kind of crowd that don't really appreciate it. That you can't be saying that when you're focused on climate change, I don't think. Anyway. But we flew into we flew into Melbourne from from Cairns last week, and it's funny. I've been flying for years now. I obviously had the last couple of years off, and I'd never I'd never heard anyone make a reference to the land that we're about to land on. But this is really big in Australia at the moment. Like, there's a I'm not sure what it is. If it's just like a maybe a deep regret for the way that you know the the people who originally came to the land treated the indigenous community here, but. There's a, there's a, it's like no matter how many times people say, sorry, it's not enough. We've got to keep going, got to keep going. And it it just seems to infiltrate everywhere. Like it's, I'm fine to acknowledge, you know, what the land was before we got here for, for, for sure. But, um, like I just, I just don't want to have to do it every football game, every basketball game. Now, every flight I I got on the flight and as we're coming into land, the, the air air hostess jumped on the, um, she jumped on the microphone saying, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Melbourne. It's 23 degrees. We're going to be landing at about 10.05 a.m. Just before we land, we'd like to uh, acknowledge the fact that we're landing on stolen ground. This used to belong to the such and such a tribe, uh, blah, blah, blah. And there's there's this weird look of um, of pride on on the face of the people who make these, these claims or, or who make these uh, acknowledgements. And there's also this weird level of acceptance amongst the, the rest of the plane some people were just looking like yeah that's beautiful that they do that that was the vibe they gave me but i thought isn't it crazy that like i i had <laughs> i had my bike stolen in london in, a couple of years ago right and uh about four days after which is crazy considering when we're in london four days after uh the bloke who stole my bike he rocked up at a cafe on my bike um to get his coffee and I immediately recognised that it was my bike because it had a couple of distinct features. And I said, "Mate, it's the... <laughs> that's my bike. You took it. You did you steal it?" He's like, "I did steal it, but I've I've updated it a little bit. So it's like it used to be your bike, but now it's more it's more mine now." And I was like, "Dude, that's not. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Just because like it was my bike." And now you've updated the wheels and you you're calling it mostly yours. He's like, "Yeah, look, but I I would admit." It definitely it could it was your yeah, it was your bike originally. Okay, mate. 
I'm, I'm not sure what's happened here. He's like, look, I've acknowledged what you said. It's, it's your bike, but but now it's mine. I said, can I have it back? He's like, no. It's, but I will admit that it was yours. I like, well, <laughs> if you admit that it's mine, <laughs> just give it back. And I was so confused. And, and I felt like I was making a good point and the people around me were like, yeah, I feel like there's no flaws in your argument there. But but isn't it funny, like with, with this air hostess, I said, look, what? We just admitted that, did you just admit it's stolen? She goes, yeah. Yeah, it's stolen land. I go, shouldn't we give it back? Like, nah, because when we stole it, it was just a billabong. Now it's a fucking, it's a, it's a giant airport. Like, it's not a fair trade. I go, I, I know, but don't you think it's just, like, it's strange to me that, I don't know. Do you get what I'm saying? It's just, it's strange to me that, like, in the announcement, we're the thieves. And I was, I was always told, first of all, don't steal. But second of all, if you make a mistake and you steal, like, when you come to your senses, just give it back. So here's the thing. Either admit that you stole it and give it back or, or stop going on a bit. Like you can't. How have we got to a point where the thieves get to brag about how high and mighty they are? Does this, not make, does this make sense to anyone else? I, I was sitting there, I was racking my brain. I thought, okay, so it used to be a billabong. Now it's an airport. We're not giving it back because it's, it's worth more than what it originally was. They're like, yeah, but we acknowledge that it was, that it wasn't ours originally. I was like, I feel like, anyway, it's, we're living in such weird times, aren't we? Are we living in the weirdest times? It just, that just seems so strange to me. I don't understand. There's certain news articles that are going around at the moment that uh, I, I think highlight or magnify the strangeness of the, the times that we're living in. Because, uh, do you call it, it's not as lefty, is it? It's like, we're living in very politically correct times where you just can't make a wrong move, otherwise you lose your job and your family goes to jail. I'm pretty sure is the best way to explain it. I want to, I want to show you a couple of these articles that I found this week because I feel like they kind of highlight what it is that I'm referring to. I just, I just want your thoughts on this. So he, here's one that I found. Uh, I found this this morning, and I, I just want to know what your thoughts are. All right, so be, be honest with me. Let me know your thoughts here. Oh, where, have I, where have I put it? Oh, here we go. All right. News.com.au. So you know I'm not making stuff up. First day of affirmative consent laws in New South Wales. New laws have come into effect in New South Wales on Wednesday that mandate a very important discussion in intimate settings. Interesting. The new affirmative consent laws have come into effect across New South Wales on Wednesday. In a move the state government hopes will revolutionise sexual consent, New South Wales has implemented the state-first laws requiring affirmative consent before sexual interaction. Okay, so essentially, you gotta you got to ask the person, which, I mean, that seems fine. But surely the act, I think sometimes actions speak louder than words. I, I think if you can just read a room to any degree, you, you're going to know whether it's on or, or whether it's not. Maybe when you, it's, it's more difficult when you're young, isn't it? Because you're not 100% sure, you're not 100% sure how far you should go. I remember the first... I won't, actually, I won't, I won't get into that. According to the newly enhanced legislation, <laughs> I know I just, I just left some dangling fruit there, pun the pun, but it's just, a, it's just, a, I'm a, yeah. According to the newly enacted legislation, a person can't reasonably believe someone wants to have sex with them without a clear sign or verbal cue. Well, that, to be fair, a clear sign or a verbal cue opens it up a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> if, if things are getting a little bit hot and heavy, um, I mean, there's there's plenty of clear signs that 
that things could go further unless there's like this invisible barrier between i don't know Let's, let's keep reading. Attorney General Mark Speakman said the new laws clarified the person needs to do or say something that gives permission for sexual, for sexual activity. That's the rule anyway, isn't it? You can't just be going up to the, the you can't just be going up to the waitress and start having sex with her because that's rape. Like that's, that's legitimate rape. But I mean, if after her if after her shift, you know, you guys went out for a coffee, you had a couple of drinks, you invited her back to your place, she said yes, you had a few more drinks, you put a movie on, things got cuddly, you looked across, she had her shirt off, you go, hang on a second, like things are heating up quite quickly here. Um, that's a fair sign. So the do or say, that's the rules anyway, isn't it? I feel like the only time that's, it, it changes, like when you're single, they're the rules. When, you, when you're married, I feel like it's the reverse of that. Most of the time, most of the time, like I'm, I'm, I'm just generally speaking. Most of the time, there's other things that that the couple wants to do than than have sex, and and you've got to put on a real convincing act to go. Hey, you know those birds dancing in the in the Amazon, and how you got to do like a really sexy act to to win the person over. I feel like that's what marriage is. You have to do that real sexy dance. Sometimes literally, and and just sometimes with the uh, with the moves that you've learnt over the last ten years of marriage, but. Uh, I think the consent is the very last thing that comes. I mean, there's so many, there's so many puns on on the words that I'm choosing right now. Um, I, I just don't even want to go into that. Like, I'm trying to keep this PG as I can, but to say that's the last thing that comes is a, a ridiculous statement. While we're speaking about the the stuff that we're speaking about here, the New South Wales government hopes the clearer rules of engagement. I don't feel like they're any more clear. They've been the rules forever, unless you're a rapist. The engagement will reduce the rate of sexual assaults. See, I, I, I didn't realise they were so high. In New South Wales, that the Bureau of Crime and Statistics has shown has risen by 4.8% over the last five years. This is the thing. There's an ad in Victoria as well at the moment. It says, um, call out sexism, which is which is fine. If that's where the, the government wants to put their money, like feel, feel free to do it. Um, Personally, I find sexist jokes on, on both sides of the fence very funny. Like whether they're going to a guy or very, whether they're going to a girl. Stereotypes in funny are fantastic, aren't they? Like, is there really a direct jump from jokes to, to violence? I'm not sure. But I was watching this ad the other day. And I thought, I wonder if there's a bloke there who's genuinely interested in committing sexual assault, who sees that ad. Um, oh, sorry, not sexual assault. I've got two articles muddled up there. Uh, make a sexist comment. Who sees that ad and goes, you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore because the government says no. I see that and I go, hang on a second. Like I literally saw that and I thought, okay, what are what are some really good sexist jokes that have been misunderstood over the over the years? Maybe I could refresh them and bring them to light in a brand new way. So it's had the reverse effect on me. I wasn't thinking about being sexist and I saw that ad and I thought, man, but I mean, there's a lot of good material there. Let's get going. The new laws highlight that consent is an ongoing process and should be sought for each sexual act. That's a lot of admin, isn't it? <laughs> it's a lot of admin. It's just, like, how does that work? How does that work? You get home, you go, hey, can I kiss you? And what happened to hard to get? Like sometimes it's a little bit of a surprise where you find yourself, you go, oh, wow, we're here. Can I kiss you? They go, I give you consent. I mean, can I take off my shirt? Mm-hmm. Can I pull down my pants? You can. Can I take off my jocks? No, that's disgusting. What are you talking about? We all knew that we were just here for an underwear party. <laughs> What are you? A, what are you? A freak? Um, this is a really powerful campaign that I believe will make a massive impact. It won't make a massive impact, I don't think. In fact, I don't think it's going to change the conversations in the bedroom at all. Um, 
as I said, yeah, actions actions speak louder than words. You you'll know you'll know if you've you've gone too far because there's that there's that tension, or there's also that that hip lift a little bit. Like if you're fellas, if you're and just let me speak to the people that I know for a minute. If you're if you're trying to remove underwear and there's that little hip lift, you go okay, well that's a yes. But if the if the bum buries into the ground a little bit more, it's saying no, no, these these bad boys are staying on. You can't use that as a challenge to go. Oh, okay, you're playing really hard to get. I think in that situation, she's gone. Look, I I don't want to say no, but this is the only way I know how to do it. Uh, there's been criticism, notably from high-powered lawyer Margaret Canine, SC. I don't know what that means. That the laws would create a large increase in sexual assault cases being processed in an already overburdened court system. That's <laughs> that's also that doesn't seem like a reason either. Look, we're flat out with uh, with sexual assault claims, so I reckon lowering the standard of what sexual assault is is just going to make them. Uh, I mean, there's going to be a there's going to be a real there's going to be a real back catalogue. So maybe, in fact, maybe we could just remove sexual assault from the from the whole program for a little while, and then there'll be no <laughs> then there'll be no problems over the past year. Calls from victims of sexual assault to the Senate have risen by 27%. Many of those calls were from new callers. That's not good, is it? Like, at least if it was a repeat caller, you go, okay, well, it's it's probably the same guy. Or their standards are a little bit low. They're getting themselves into some to some shady areas that they probably shouldn't be in. Uh, many of the calls were from new callers, and most would not go on to report the assaults to police, the spokeswoman said. So they just, I think they just needed someone to talk to. The New South Wales Police Force is supportive of the move, simplifies, blah, 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 blah. The new laws include a scope for an evaluation of legislation. Okay. Anyway. So we're living in interesting times. It's just, it's a very strange place to find yourself to to have to need the government to, to, to sort of just let you know, you know, how to navigate your way through a, a sexual act. Based on that, have you seen politicians as well? I mean, the people who's coming up with this uh, legislature, legislature? I'm not. I'm not sure what word I've just said. The people who's coming up with this legislation is—they're not the best-looking men or women. To be fair, like if you see a good-looking man or woman in polit- in politics, the fact that Brett Sutton here in Australia was considered a good-looking man for a while is is probably a sign that uh, you know the competition's not that steep. Anyway, I just wanted to share that with you because I thought it was very interesting. I, I feel as though there's a lot of jokes in there. Uh, I'm not going to go into it now just because I don't want this podcast to remove from every platform which podcasts are available on. But but here we go. I, uh, yeah, I, this podcast it could actually just be be dedicated towards that whole thing. Before we before we move on, let me um let me move from those coconuts to an, another coconut story. Do you know? Uh, I was before we left. Cairns last week I was doing a little outdoor workout I was doing a little uh, I was doing some bicep curls uh, not bicep curls I was doing some chin-ups for my biceps and and this guy came up to me he was working out at the park he had a weight vest on we started talking I was about 10 minutes into a 40 minute workout anyway me and this guy we got talking and uh, he'd moved from Wellington in New Zealand to come over to Australia he just sold his, sold his house for, for a bit over a million dollars there and he's he was actually in the process of going over to Bali he was going to create a retreat for for people it was a wellness retreat so he's got a company called 36 atp and it essentially uh, the vibe i got was it's looking at a real holistic approach to health from meditation to food he had a real focus on like the is it the lymph the limbic system is what it was called and he was trying to talk about how so often many of the diseases and illnesses actually arise from problems within our limbic system and the stresses that we place on those really interesting guy to talk to but 
about 45 minutes into the, uh, sorry, about probably half an hour into this this conversation, my workout had been paused. This guy's like, yeah, bro, I've got a, uh, I've got a, a coconut dehusker and I've just been uh, r- driving around cans and, uh, and, and just cutting off coconuts from the tree. Uh, he goes, I got. A, I went down to the beach yesterday and I was just de-husking like 25 coconuts and uh, and people were coming up to me and like, hey bro, you're just de-husking some coconuts. I go, yeah bro. He goes, uh, anyway bro, what I wanted to ask you was, uh, do you want to do you want to come and sit in the back of my uh, back of my four wheel drive? We'll have a have a coconut together post work yet. I said, bro, that's ex- that's exactly what we're. That's what you miss on social media, isn't it? I was sitting there uh, after this guy just de-husked a coconut. I was having a chat to him about what he does and. Uh, me and him are sipping a coconut there together. I thought, man, what a what an experience this is sitting in the back of a stranger's four wheel drive sipping a coconut. I think that's what you don't get in lockdown. I, I walked away from that. I've been thinking about it all week. It was so embarrassing as well because he uh, he he cracked open the coconut. I tell you, I, I started. I get paranoid in those moments. I'm thinking because he went away and he he put a hole in the coconut. Uh, he put a straw in the coconut and then he brought it back and I. I I could sense like a slight bubbly nature within the coconut. And I thought, ah, I wonder if this guy, because there was no one else around where we were. He was about my age, but he was he was pretty big. I thought, far out, I wonder, has this guy spiked my drink? Because there's definitely something bubbly there. So what was such an enjoyable conversation? I started to get paranoid. I started to think, am I feeling dizzy? Am I feeling sleepy? Am I going to wake up in a ditch at this guy's wellness retreat with a sore bum? Um, and a lot of questions to ask and <laughs> looking for the number to report the sexual assaults because I hadn't given my consent because I was passed out. Do you know what I mean? If I was awake, I would have said 100%, you sexy little New Zealander. But based on the fact I was out, I couldn't uh, I couldn't give it to him. Uh, Do you ever get like that? Like he was, he was such a well-intentioned person. I walked home. I didn't start hallucinating. I didn't fall asleep. I felt completely well. And I got home and, and the next day I woke up and I thought, well, surely any of the effects that would have taken place if this guy was really trying to spike spike my drink, take advantage of me, would have taken place right now. And I thought, why, Tyson, why do you have to be like that? Why do you have to question the intentions of such a lovely bloke? But then I also think, I wonder if that's why my family throughout the years have made it through so many generations. Maybe like a slight level of anxiety is actually a good thing because it keeps you on your toes, doesn't it? Like you're, if you're walking through a dangerous part of town, like it's good to have a little bit of anxiety. It's just your body, it's your brain sending a message going, hey, just stay alert here because you might need to react really quickly in a moment. Uh, like if someone jumps out with a mask on and a machete, you're going to need to act. So I think in that instance, it's quite good. But the truth is, 2022, unless you're living in these parts of New South Wales where these guys are uh, you know, doing all the sexual assaults without consent, uh, verbal consent, uh, I shouldn't, I'm not smiling at the sexual assault when I say that. I'm just smiling at the, uh, at the images that come across my mind as I, as I riff on this. Because I just, I, just think with me, be open. What what's the first physical act that you think of which would serve as consent to another person? I mean, it, it's up to you what you see just there. Some people would have just been total freaks and they they've just jumped to third base. Some people are, are you know probably a little bit less dirty than what you are and they've come up with something more reasonable. But anyway, what I what I thought after that was, hey, it was a lovely experience, but. But uh, a level of distrust had jumped into my mind and, and I was waiting to essentially wake up in the back of this guy's van. I'm not 100% sure what the purpose of that story was, but I had it written down to tell you that I had a coconut with a guy up in Cairns. And the story, it was one of those ones that, you know those stories where you begin a story and then you get halfway through the story and you go, I, I don't know uh, like what the interesting parts of this are. I don't know where the final destination I'm trying to get to is. 
I'm not 100% sure why I even brought this story up. There's, there's no real reason that anyone but me had to know about this. It was one of those stories. As soon as I started saying it, I was like, hey, where are we going? The, ne the next story I wanted to tell you, though, is definitely not going to go there because this one's actually interesting. You know, on that same website, that news.com that I, uh, I brought to you, the, the new legislation from the New South Wales government about uh, not committing sexual assault because it's bad and people had forgotten, uh, they also reported this morning that a, a human leg was found on the side of a road in the Northern Territory and they're trying to find the person <laughs> who it belongs to, which is... It's not funny. Like, the fact that a human leg is missing, or the fact that a person is missing their leg is, is very concerning. And, uh, the, like, it was just funny the way they reported it. They said the calls are going out for the person to, to come and claim their leg. I thought, like, wouldn't that be the... That's all I reckon... Surely! Surely they know it's missing. <laughs> like, if you've, if you've lost your wallet, I get quite stressed about that. Like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to get home? It's got my MyKey card on it. How am I going to be able to fill up the car with petrol? That's got my that's got my card in there. How am I going to be able to do it? Surely it's next level if you've lost your leg. You can't get 200 metres down the road and go, oh, shit, bro, oh, bloody, I've forgotten something. <laughs> I've got my wallet. I've got my, oh, fuck, bro, it's my leg. Where's my leg? <laughs> What's happened to my leg? This is ridiculous. I've had such a tough day. I can't believe I've bloody left that behind. That's you don't need to put out a newspaper article to, to encourage the person to come forward to it. Because first of all, well, I guess it would be helpful because you're going you're gonna to see a bloke hopping down the main street of Darwin and uh, you go, hey, Peter, what's going on? You look different, mate. Yeah, bro, I bloody lost my leg. I thought yeah, I thought something had changed. That person, like they're doing everything they can to find it. Look, but, but you also wonder, like, why, why have they left it there? It's actually quite concerning because the only things that come to mind about a person leaving their leg behind is is that a serious a serious transgression's taken place. Either the person's been hit by a car, um, and they've they've you know they're in a lot of danger, so they've had to hop away quickly. And they thought I'll get that later, or like, it has to be drugs involved, doesn't it? Because no one in a sane no one in a real sane mind is is going to be okay just to leave that behind and go. Hey, we'll just we'll just see what happens. We'll just we'll see if we need it. I would say actually the most important part of my day, like especially as I get out of bed, it'd be the first thing I notice. If I got out of bed and just toppled over, I'd go, ah, oh, I've got to go collect that today. Hope someone's picked it up for me. Hope someone, you know those lost property baskets at school? <laughs> Picture this guy going down to the local police station, just opening the lost property basket, looking for a leg. Yeah, had a Nike shoe on it, bro. Had, a, had some Jordans. Oh... Australia, we've uh, we're an interesting spot. We're an interesting spot. We've we've been through a bit, old Aussies, in the sense that uh, I think it's fair to say that I think we're mostly pussies these days. Like we love going overseas and, and putting on this big show of how brave and how we are. We're very carefree and nothing bothers us. And and then and then COVID comes to Australia and we lock down for two years and people are still wearing masks and we're just a very scared country, I think. I think we're a very scared country. There's a lot of people who are living with a lot of fear. I don't know, maybe every generation has a moment where they, they look at their culture and they go, come on, what are we... Because, like, my mum used to always say that when I was a kid, we never bloody got caught up playing Game Boys. And now I'm a kid... Now I'm a dad, I go, oh, when I was a kid, we never got caught up in alternative realities with uh, oculuses on that thinking that we're living in an underwater system as a fish trying to get away from a whale. We never did any of that, mate. We were just playing outside in the trees. 
So surely that's been going on for generations. I was trying to think that last night. Like back in ancient Rome, what would the parents have said to the kids back then? Oh, back when we were kids, we never we never wasted our time. Just wanted to be a gladiator. We were out there just uh, we were out there just picking the grapes and getting on with life. Is is what we were doing, trying to fight off these Christians who were trying to take over, huh? We're trying to take over our bloody uh, our Roman Empire with their little Christian Empire. We were trying to fight them off with grapes is what we, I don't know. I'm just, I'm sure it's gone on for a while. So maybe it's just built into us as humans to, to be maybe a little sentimental or maybe a little bit sentimental of the past. We miss what we don't have anymore and we reflect on, and you always look at it with rose colored glasses, don't you? Like I never think about the days where I was just wondering why mum was five minutes late from picking me up from, from daycare and having a panic attack. I, I think of the times that me and mum went on like a roller coaster ride and then afterwards she bought me an ice cream and told me I was a good boy. Like you filter out you filter out the bad parts of, of your history. I, I think is true. Some people don't. I mean, you can just reframe it as well. A lot of people reframe it just by going into land on an airplane and saying, look, we're admitting this is stolen ground. It's a dark part of our history, but we've, we've learned to live with it. But it's my land. Give it back. You shut up. You're not getting it back. You've, you've asked that for years, but it's mine, isn't it? It was yours. Now it's not a billabong. It's an airport, you cockhead. So go back inside. I don't have a house. You've built an airport on it. That's not my problem. I've already said I'm sorry. Yeah. So I'm sure, I'm just, I'm sure that's something that every generation goes through. What are you gonna do about it? There's a it's bloody winter here in Melbourne at the moment. I think today's eight degrees. I'm I'm sitting here. You can't see it, but I've got I've got shorts on. I've got a jumper on. I, I should be I should be wearing pants. It's very very cold. The last couple of days I've started to uh, so I do the ice water swimming most days. I didn't do it today because it was it gets a I hate going out there when it's really windy because uh like this this is a bit embarrassing. But when it's really windy, the the waves get super choppy, and there's not many people over where I swim. So I start freaking out thinking, oh crap, what if I bloody get dumped by a big wave and then my head hits the ground and I'm unconscious, I get swept out to sea, no one ever sees me again. It's just awkward. You're going to go over there and find my shoes, my phone, my jumper and go, oh, well, best of luck out there, Tyson. It's, uh, it's very cold and very dangerous. But but today I didn't go out because it was a little bit windy. But but when it's still, I get over there at the moment and man, it is it is getting fresh. I would guess... I think the water temperature right now would be at about maybe 12 degrees, which doesn't sound too bad, but if you hopped in 12 degrees water, it's, it's bloody cold. I was doing these ice water swims over at Hampstead Heath when we were living in London, and the coldest it ever got, I think was, I think I got in at like five or six. I think it was six that I got in at. It was, it was bloody cold. Uh, and it's so embarrassing though because people who have been doing it for a long time they're they're very well accustomed their body's used to it they're they're very relaxed with with the the cold water temperatures so they can get out they can have a conversation but if you've ever got out of freezing water one of the hardest things to do i always find it really hard to control my mouth like my my jaw is frozen so the words don't come out properly and i remember being so embarrassed because I just met a, a few of the uh, the local ice water swimmers over in the UK at Hampstead Heath, and they were taking an interest in me. They were asking me about why I was doing it. They were asking me about how long I was in London for. They were asking me about, you know, what was my inspiration for getting into that ice water. And they were doing it all with such ease and with their pants off, mind you. They were very confident not to wear pants, even after being in that freezing cold water. Um, and, and to be honest, they were, they were putting on a show which even if I just got out of a spa bath, I was probably going to find hard to match. But the, the difficulty for me was I, I couldn't respond. Well, I, it was so embarrassing because my jaw, I had, I had like locked jaw. 
it's like a ventriloquist trying to talk, but without the training, I, I just I couldn't get the words out. And they were like, mate, it, it sounded like I was having a stroke. And I remember one of them going, mate, is everything all right? I was like, yeah, this is fine. So I was like, I guess. <laughs> you start talking like that, you start getting all flustered because you, you realise how silly you look. And I've started to have those moments, like every now and then as I walk home. Yesterday morning I was walking home. There's a lady, she would have been 80, she was walking her dog, and she had like a fair limp going on, and she goes, oh, you're very brave, I hate so much, I'm just trying to say the bare minimum. She goes, uh, you're doing that every day? I said, I try to, like as long as it's not windy, because I don't want the chop to knock me out, blah, blah. Um, she goes, yeah, every morning I come down here, and, and I think, oh, I should do that, I should do that, but I just never do it. But she goes, now, good on you, you've got the rest of your day to feel good about yourself, and um, the days that I don't go over there, it's not like I just be a pussy. Like this morning, I had a cold shower, and it is so cold. It is it is really cold at the moment. I just try and do like a, at least a minute, at least a minute um, under the water, and then I and then I just pump that hot for a, for a little while. It's funny when you hear an eighty year old speak like that, though, isn't it? Because there's certain things you just don't think of an eighty year old to to say. Um, I just, I just don't really picture 80-year-olds doing ice baths or even thinking about that. But then I had a conversation with my, my, my nan a couple of years before she died. She goes, Tosh, you know what I would love to do? I go, what is it, nan? She goes, I'd love to skydive. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> really? <laughs> Are you an acid, nan? What's happened? Did someone spiked a little hot chocolate? I'm really surprised by the fact you've just said that. So I guess that's the thing, though. Like your spirit doesn't really age as much as your body. So, so maybe like the, maybe it's the body, like the physical breakdown of your body which causes us to to be a little more cynical, a little a little more grumpy. Or maybe it's just because you've seen more stuff. You've had a couple of goals that have sort of fallen short and you think, oh, I don't know though. Like maybe that, that real pure that real pure spirit deep within you that doesn't seem to die, I don't think. I hope. I would much rather be an 80-year-old thinking that I, I want to do a uh, an ice water swim rather than uh, rather than just like a cynical old person. Oh yeah. Hey, this is a, a bit of a random transition, but I wanted to I wanted to talk to you about this as well. I uh, I was at a comedy show the other night, the one I was telling you about earlier, and there was a there's a comedian up there, really big guy, like very big guy, self self professed real big guy, uh, like very big. He must have been about fifty years old, and uh, I mean he's he's alright, he's a lovely guy, very personable, very very good, but he had a twenty five year old girlfriend, like a very young, very very quite pretty girl. I thought, isn't that, that was really interesting to see because you, you don't see that that much, I don't think. Not not really. Like, you hear about cougars, but you don't hear about... Usually the guys who are dating the really young girls are, are, are the rich ones, but it was really interesting to me. I thought, man, like, immediately you see that. You go, oh, this, this chick's had an interesting... She's had an interesting background, I reckon. She's got an interesting story because... She would, she would have plenty of options with like very good-looking men around the same age as her. Now, I don't think this guy that she was married to or, or dating was, was super wealthy necessarily. I could be well and truly wrong, but that's where you get used to seeing like the younger girl. Apparently, Elon Musk is dating some 27-year-old Australian girl. And you go, okay, well, he's, he's 50. That's 23-year age gap, but he's loaded. Like there's a, there's a fair bit of prestige in that for the girl. Not saying that's the only reason that she's dating him, just saying very good chance that it's the only reason that she's dating him. Because like if Elon Musk was stripped of everything, had no money, had no business, then it's like, what what's the appeal? You're just walking down the street with a 50-year-old man um, who's, who's a little bit Asperger's. But when you've got a little bit of power, when you've got reputation, when you've got money, it's amazing. See, there's, there's more to the game. If you're not a good-looking man, if you're not a good-looking guy, you don't have great social skills, I'm going to encourage you to start a multi-billion dollar business because with that comes fame 
and reputation. And with that comes the opportunity to date someone 23 years your junior. But I just I thought it was a very interesting place to find to find myself looking at because I thought ah like I, I wonder you just assume that there's something slightly off in 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 a girl's mind like that, don't you? But maybe I don't know. People are interesting. People see age and stuff differently. But but for me, I was a little bit nervous when I first got together with my with my wife. I was as a three and a half year age gap. I thought, oh, that's that's right. I've got a friend of mine, India. She married a guy who's fourteen years older than her. I think she married him when she was maybe twenty one. That's a big gap. But twenty five years, that's starting to get quite serious, isn't it? Twenty five years is a big age gap. Does it seem weird to you? My wife had an auntie who was married to a guy eighteen years older than older than she is. I think things went really well with them, but um, yeah, they're very strange. Don't you think though? Don't you think that's true? That uh, that like when there's power and fame involved, it's a it's a little bit easier to understand than what it is when it's when it's just your regular bloke off the street. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Do you know anyone like that? I'm trying to think if I know anyone like that. My mum was thirty when I was born. My dad was twenty two. He was he's just a bad man though. He was just doing what he. He was just doing his best. He was a good-looking bloke at the local footy club. And, you know, a couple of drinks in one night, they thought, oh, well, it seems like a good idea. Then I was born. Dad goes, oh, whoopsie, this is going to be a real change for the rest of my life. <laughs> but um, that's eight years. I, I think it's more common. I don't know anyone who's my age who's dating a woman who's 25 years older than them. What would that be, 35? That would be, that'd be a 60-year-old woman. I got no yeah, I got no interest in that. Firstly because I'm married, I'm not on the market, I'm not looking. But secondly because 60, my mum's 60 65 this year. She's got friends who are 60. I've got I've got no interest in that. It is different with men and women though, isn't it? I think it's it's more normal for an older man to date a younger woman for for whatever reason. Hmm. Funny those little things, just how they work out. But good on him. I say good on him because he was definitely he was batting way out of his league. He'd done an incredible job. Um, I mean, I was cheering for him, but it was just something that I was. I kept watching. Then I was like, "This is so interesting to see." Like, uh, we went to a reptile park up in in Cairns, and I saw um, what are those giant lizards called? They're um, iguanas. We saw it. We saw a giant iguana, and I, I got quite close to one. I just kept looking at. it. I was like, "This is such a strange sight." Like. It's crazy there's a lizard that's this big. It's that same kind of feeling. I looked at these guys, I was like, whoa, what has happened here? That is different. This is something I'm just, I've just never thought I would see, and, and yet here we are. But yeah, that's, um, that's sort of what's been going on in my week. It's been a good week. I'm, I'm going to head out to the gym now. I've got, it's leg day today, so I'm going to go and going to go and work on my legs and then tonight i'm going to drive down to melbourne i'm going to roll the dice because i've got no no gigs locked in but there's a few rooms that are running so i'm going to go down there and and try and tell a couple of funny jokes see how we go see if i can get two or three gigs in if i'm super lucky but um that's about it got my wife's birthday tomorrow 32 years always very stressful the day before a birthday because you're very concerned about whether the gifts that you're buying are appropriate and i forgot mother's day this year so there's a little bit more pressure on me to really deliver so uh, i've just got to once i get the card once i get the gift i've just got to have it on the bench so when i wake up tomorrow morning that serves as a reminder and then and then all is well um 
but I think I think she's going to like it. I'll give you. I'll keep you guys posted on how that goes next week. But hey, that's uh, that's about enough from me. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. It's Wednesday today. Uh, I hope you have. I hope you have a great rest of your life. If this is the last podcast you listen to, but hey, from me to you, stay safe, stay strong, stay pretty, stay sexy. I'll see you all here next week. All right, catch you later. Mm-hmm.